Um, there was. <laughs> Wait, because I've already told the story. <laughs> God, hug, <hug-hug>, man. <laughs> okay, I don't remember what the question yeah, was. Yeah, me neither. I forgot. <laughs> Today's subject that uh, we're going to talk about is uh, what makes us human, you know? What are some things that uh, separate us and set us apart from everyone The usual notion is that we are an animal whose health is governed by genetics, environment, food and water intake, and the occasional disease. All of those things are true, but they aren't true enough. The text spoken by the voices and the sound volume are exactly the same as in the original recording. To help the air adapt itself to the strange rhythm, rapidity and softness of the voice entity's speech, each utterance is repeated several times. The voices here selected are grouped according to the persons addressed and their respective answers followed by a translation and explanation. The first voice is that of Margarete Petrowski, who had told the experimenter during her lifetime that she did not believe in an existence after death. After her passing, the experimenter asked her how she felt in the beyond, and a voice, identified as coming from Margarete, answered, Bedenke, ich bin. German, imagine, I am. EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomenon, and this is the claim that is believed by many paranormal investigators that if you leave some kind of recording device in record mode especially if it's in reputedly haunted locations that you can actually record spirit voices. You can find examples of what could be described as EVP going way back but it's typically uh, two names that tend to crop up when you look at the history of EVP. Uh, I think the The real answer is a parapsychologist called Raymond Bayliss who worked with a medium in a soundproof chamber and uh, what they recorded very much fits the modern notion of what EVP is. Um, This was back in the 1950s and just about the same time but just after this uh, there was a claim by a guy called Friedrich Jürgensen who was a a, a filmmaker. He'd been recording uh, birds, and when he played it back, he thought he could could make out uh, voices. Um, 
uh, and, and various other sounds. And then this led to uh, a guy called Konstantin Raudiv, I think that's how you pronounce his name, um, getting involved. He wrote a book called Breakthrough, um, and this is one of the things that really kind of popularised this notion. Now the experimenter calls the Russian poet Vladimir Mayakovsky, and the voice answers... Mayakovsky. The experimenter tells the poet how difficult it is to convince people of the reality of the voice phenomenon. And in reply comes a statement which is typical for Mayakovsky's personality. Konstantin, Pluy. In Russian, Konstantin, spit on it. Skeptics basically dismiss this, and they would argue that what's actually happening here is what we call top-down processing. Um, essentially, when you are interacting with the world around you, there are two different sources of information that you're using. On the one hand, you've got the sensory input coming from all the different senses you have, and that's referred to as bottom-up processing. But very often, that input can be ambiguous or degraded in some way, in which case your own knowledge about the world, your beliefs, your expectations have a big influence on what you think it is that you are seeing and hearing. The term apophenia was coined by uh, Conrad in, in 1958 um, and he used it in a very specific sense to refer to um, people who were basically uh, going through psychotic episodes where suddenly everything seems to be meaningfully connected. Um, now, it, it tends to be used more widely now, and sometimes it's used interchangeably with the, with the term periodolia, which is a similar notion that sometimes we see what appear to be clear and distinct images in what's essentially random signals. Um, and the kind of common examples we've like seen faces in clouds or in the, the grain of wood or in stains on the floor and so on and so forth. And most of us, even though we can actually see those stimuli, uh, don't necessarily attach any great significance to them. Now, I mean, there are a lot of other examples of this basic phenomenon. Um, it's not just something that applies to the electronic voice phenomenon. Um, you probably come across the claim that there are satanic messages in rock music. Um, this is called backmasking. The claim by people who believe in this stuff, typically Christian fundamentalists, is that you can't hear these messages when you play the record forwards, but if you play them backwards, they are there and they believe that that can still have an influence on on you and cause you to get into sex and drugs and presumably even more rock and roll um and there's no doubt at all in my mind that top of the satanic pops is led zeppelin's stairway to heaven so what i'm going to do is i'm going to first of all play you a clip forwards mainly just because i like it to be perfectly honest Yes, 
Now here we go, I'm going to play the same clip backwards and see if you can hear the satanic message. Satan in there exactly once. and that's what people typically pick up on and again that's top-down processing I've given you a context we're talking about satanic messages what's the most likely word you're gonna hear but according to those who believe in this stuff this is the full message Just full paragraph here's to my sweet Satan the one whose little path would make me sad whose power is Satan he'll give you 666 supposedly the devil's number there was a little tool shed, I can explain the tool shed, where he made us suffer, sad Satan. A, a lot of the kind of stuff we're talking about is, it relates to various kinds of cognitive biases that we have. Our cognitive systems generally do a fantastic job, you know, keep us alive, guide us through every day. We take we take it very much for granted, all the kind of stuff that we do every second of our waking lives that computers still can't do, but our cognitive systems are subject to various biases. And that raises an interesting question from an evolutionary perspective. Why is this? What, wouldn't it be better if these biases had been evolved out and we didn't misperceive and misremember and misinterpret things? So what happens is, I mean, one of the reasons that we have we are so successful is that we, we pick up on patterns around us in the environment. We make cause and effect links between things. But sometimes we do it when really we shouldn't. They're not there. And the example that people always give, it's the same one, so I'll give it as well. The kind of Stone Age man standing there, something's rustling in the bushes. You've got two scenarios. In one, he immediately thinks, it's a tiger, and runs away. Now, if he's wrong, he's not lost an awful lot. He's wasted a bit of energy running away from a tiger that wasn't actually there. The second scenario is his more a reflective next cave neighbour who stands there scratching his beard, wondering, hmm, I wonder if that really is a tiger or not. Now, that's not a good strategy. Uh, if there's no tiger there, fine. But if there is a tiger, and either you take too long to decide that, or you, 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 know, you, you, make, you are going to be lunch. So in evolutionary terms, we've got a strong bias towards assuming that, yes, there is something there. So we are much more likely, therefore, to, to think we see meaningful stimuli in random patterns because it, it's, it's a safer strategy. We need to do that quickly in order to survive. So rather than having a cognitive system which is slower and right slightly more often, it makes sense for us to have a very quick cognitive system that will be right a little bit less often, but will keep us alive. As a species, we are arguably the only species that is consciously aware of the fact that we will die. 
Uh, and we don't like that idea. You know, whether you're a believer in religion or a, or a skeptic, an atheist, uh, the, the idea that when your, your physical body stops, that's the end of your consciousness. And not just for you, but also your loved ones. It's not a comfortable thought. And so the biggest cognitive bias that there is, is confirmation bias. We find it much easier to believe things that we want to be true anyway. So we find ways of ignoring the evidence that seems to contradict it or downplaying it and just, you know, seeing evidence that supports our views everywhere. Now, one of the things that we would all most like to be true is the idea of life after death. And so a lot of that search for the evidence, the evidence itself doesn't really need to be that good to convince us of something that we so passionately want to be true anyway. Anyway.